You're listening to Around the King's Table, a podcast of the Mount Church in Clemson, South Carolina, with Pastor George Marshall and Pastor Brian Mann. Pull up a chair and listen in as they seek to serve up biblical dialogue for building disciples of Jesus. All right, welcome to this episode of Around the King's Table. We do have an aim. It's to have... Biblical dialogue for building disciples. Of? Jesus. Of Jesus. I'm Brian. This is George. George, on today's episode, we're going to do something new and I think fun for us. Uh, We asked our member college students to shoot us any question that's recently come to mind as they've been studying the Bible and... I promised them that we would do our best. They were th- uh, so to, theologically to astute that we have very right. few questions. <laughs> That's right. Yep. So we're going to try to answer their questions biblically sure. on the episode today. So I hope you're ready because uh, these questions are fairly but wonderfully thick. Yeah. Uh, they get into some things that are, are are fairly deep. So here we go. We're just going to jump right into it. Okay. You ready? I am. All right. First, what can you tell us? About the mystery man, Melchizedek. Melchizedek. Yeah, so his name, uh, my king is righteous. So that's a tip off that something is going on interesting already. Melchizedek. Melchizedek. Melchizedek is my king mm-hmm. and Zedek king. is righteous. Yep. So yeah, my king is righteous. Mm-hmm. Um, some interesting things. So this is Genesis 14, 18 through 20. Mm-hmm. Um, Abram has just rescued Lot. Yep. And he comes and... After having you know won the victory um, pretty decisively, mm-hmm. um, gets blessed by this random guy who, like him, <laughs> is a is a worshiper of. Uh, let's see if I can get it right. Uh, yeah, God Most High. So the same yeah. expression used for who who Abraham is following, or Abram at this point is following. This this guy who's a Canaanite king in this the king of Salem. Salem tip off you know Jerusalem. Jerusalem. What is come? Yep. Yep. Um, so my king, yep. righteousness, my king and now we have righteous. peace. He's a king of, king of peace. peace. Correct. And yep. he also brings bread and wine to refresh Abram and his men. Mm. Uh, so there's this nice little uh, connection Supper. to Christ, Lord's Supper, <laughs> built into Genesis yep. before you'd even think, you know, mm-hmm. we're not even talking law yet. We don't have Passover even yet. We mm-hmm. already have bread and wine being offered as a refreshment, as a, you know, a, a spiritual help. Mm-hmm. So. so he comes onto the scene suddenly Correct. in Genesis 14, and yep. then he disappears just as suddenly. Correct. Okay. In that scene in Genesis 14, I mean, what's so what's so marvelous about him? Well, so, I mean, it, it's going to come eventually after, after this is going to immediately come the covenant um, with Abram um, to become Abraham. Mm-hmm. And so this is pretty significant for, you know, Abram serving God. That's going to be a big deal. Um, but when it comes down to Abraham's descendants, it's going to be Israel. And they're going to be given a law with a defined priesthood and a yep. defined way of doing things. Levitical. A defined law. Yeah, the Levitical. Levi. Yep. Yep. And so it's completely different. They have to, you know, check their pedigree. And they have to be very, very clear about, you know, my father was my father, my grandfather, his great-grandfather, you know, going mm-hmm. all the way back uh, to Aaron. Mm-hmm. Um this guy comes out of nowhere. Now, uh, some people are w- would argue maybe that, and, and this was very big in the intertestamental period, that you know he's a he a theophany, a Christophany. He's right. Jesus. That's what I was going to ask you: is this is this I, incarnate? I don't kind think of... so. I think rather this is type and anti-type. Yeah, I think I think Melchizedek is a type yeah. for Jesus, who's going to be the anti-type. That's so, right. Yeah. yeah. 
So he comes onto the scene there in Genesis 14, and he is greater. Mm-hmm. This is what the writer of Hebrews, of Hebrews 7 and all in there, yeah. is going to make this case. He's greater than Abraham. Correct. Who becomes, of course... Since he gave tithes to them. The father, and, that's and, right. And because mm-hmm. of he gave tithes to them, ultimately, there's this idea that all of Israel, including Levi, Abraham, gave tithes, in right. essence, to this king right. as representative of, of something unique or a better law, mm-hmm. or better covenant. Better priesthood. Mm-hmm. Better priesthood. Yeah. So I, Levi... I before we even jump there, there's this interesting, <clears throat> because we jump very quickly from Genesis to mm-hmm. Hebrews, but Melchizedek is actually mentioned at least one other place. Right. Psalm 110. Very importantly. This is coronation hymn, basically, yep. uh, for David and his his descendants. Yep. And right in the middle of it is, you're a priest forever. After, after the, the order, order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek. Yeah. So right. it's pretty important, this idea of, even though, yeah, even though the Mosaic Covenant... Deuteronomy specifically makes you know room for a king and it's completely independent family from yeah. the priesthood. There's already in the coronation hymn in Psalms this idea that there's something going on here where there's this yeah. priest representing the nation yeah. as king back to God. Yeah, so it's another pretty... priesthood. Yeah, it's exactly. not Aaron. It's Correct. not. It's not Levi. There's another priesthood that's coming that's greater right. than the Levitical priesthood, and it's right. this priesthood of Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. And of course, then you move into uh, Hebrews and Jesus, who mm-hmm. is not Aaronic, who is not of Levi, right? Um, is this this great high priest who has an yeah. eternal Correct. priesthood yep. over the house of God. Yeah. I think another nice tie that brings all of this together um, in that person of Melchizedek is the blessings. Um, so really, I mean, if you, if you look at it, Genesis... 14, it does very, very little. And, and the majority of it is actually Melchizedek blessing yeah. both Abram and blessing God, who is the one who's provided the victory. Yeah. Um, and then you see in the covenant that God actually makes with Abram is essentially, I'm going to you know make kings come from you, and I'm going to bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Mm-hmm. And so as we get into Hebrews and we get into the coronation in Psalms, um, we're really dealing with this idea of Jesus being the one who is not only sovereign king, um, but also the one who he blesses those who bless him. He ends up cursing through judgment those who curse him. Who do not believe upon him. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a nice picture all the way around. Yeah. It's another way, is again, coming to, to uh, Hebrews, uh, it's another way where the author there is just saying Jesus is greater exactly. than everything. Yep. And yep. everybody that's gone before him. Anything you might yeah. turn to. You're going to come to the end of it yeah. and go, why did I waste my time on that? Yeah. Jesus was the ultimate thing right. for me to spend my time on. Right. Which which is wild because Abraham is a pivotal figure Correct. in the scriptures. Right. Like he is a massive, he's the father of faith. Right. Right. Well, Melchizedek is greater than Abraham and Jesus is the one who fulfills the type Correct. Of Melchizedek. Yeah. So Jesus is that much greater. He's greater than Melchizedek. He's that much greater than even right. Abraham. Yeah, if the argument was, well, yeah. we might go back to Judaism and its Mosaic law. Yeah. Jesus is being pointed back as not only better than Abraham, he's he's beyond that. Yeah. yeah. Better than Abraham, better than Levi, better not he's he is the priest uh, that God is setting up over the house of God. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Great. All right. Next. In John 12, verse 40, why did God harden their hearts Uh so that he did not 
heal them. Mm. There's a lot going on. There is a lot going on. But but actually, the the question has its answer within three verses. Um, 1243 actually says, they loved the glory from men more than the glory of God. So the reason he's willing to to give them over to a hardened heart is that was actually their desire even. They... Mm-hmm. They wanted the glory of men rather than what came from God. Right. So a lot of people will look at this passage and one of the, I see sort of the, the natural anxieties here is it appears as if God is um, absolutely sovereign in the sense that it makes us essentially automatons. Right, right. But that's but the what that's the concern. Mm-hmm. But I think what you're seeing, not just there in verse 43, for they love the glory of man more mm-hmm. than the glory that comes from God, but also there, um, verse 37, I believe it is, though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. Correct. And so again, these the biblical authors, while they're absolutely affirming the 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 meticulous sovereignty of God over, you know, salvation and the whole cosmos and all these mm-hmm. kinds of things, they're still saying that doesn't cancel out the real responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so this is called compatibilism. Right. Right. And so John is definitely espousing here a, a compatibilistic view mm-hmm. of of salvation in this instance, the hardening and, and right. the judgment that's come upon them as right. hardening. Yeah. yeah. I think interesting is also we can we can turn to the passage that they're actually quoting because he's quoting from Isaiah. He's Isaiah. Isaiah 6. We'll, we'll, he's quoting 610, it says. But um, I'm going to start at 9. And it says, and he said, this is God talking to Isaiah, who's just been commissioned, you know, coal to the mouth kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. He says, keep on hearing. Uh, go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy. Blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and mm-hmm. turn and be healed. How would you and, like that for a ministerial commission? I know. Basically, yeah. you're going to say a whole <laughs> bunch. It's going to be awesome. Yes, I know. They are going to listen a bit, not a snot. There's just nothing yeah. going to be given. And you can yeah. go into your ministry expecting that. Maybe mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that's maybe a little bit mm-hmm. encouraging when you go into it. I mean, God letting you know up front, like, I know I'm calling you, but... Be prepared for what's coming. Mm-hmm. And so as we do, yeah, as we get to its use in John, yeah. you know, it is this idea of Jesus is showing up to reveal himself. So the miracles reveal to the disciples who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the rest of his teaching really acts as revelation separation. It really brings out this contrast. And he even goes into it before this passage um, in John 20 um, or John, John, John 12, 1240. Yeah talking about, you know, basically the light actually revealing what's in men's hearts and whether they will come to God, mm-hmm. God if they're already prepared uh, mm-hmm. to do so. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah there's, there's a separation <clears throat> idea going on. Yeah, I remember, I forget the the Puritan who I, who I drew this from, but he talks about, you know, our hearts as, as clay and the same light dispersing heat mm-hmm. can 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 melt that melts wax right. hardens Hardened clay. clay yeah right and so there is that aspect here of here's jesus he's come onto the scene he's he is the messiah he's he's the light of the world as john has has already mm-hmm. uh, called him and he's giving off revelation and right. but the revelation is actually it's not instead of melting hearts and that's melting some hearts but by and large for the jewish nation there it's serving to harden mm-hmm. the clay yeah. instead of melting the wax. Yeah. yeah. So the synoptics like focus yeah. on it as in his, as his kingdom comes, 
where is the power from? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they, they accuse him in, in the synoptics and Matthew, Mark, Luke, they accuse him of doing all these mir- miraculous deeds under mm-hmm. the power of Satan mm-hmm. to which Jesus is like that. That's straight up blasphemy to ascribe mm-hmm. the Holy spirit to be working by Satan's power. Whereas yeah. John is really focused on this is me. You're seeing me. It's not just the kingdom. You're seeing me and through me, you see the father. Yeah. And so the, yeah, the same thing is, is startling. If you don't see light in what Jesus is doing, if you reject it, yeah. you're basically seeing darkness. That's where you are. Yeah. Your heart's being revealed and mm-hmm. how you respond to Jesus. Correct. Yeah. Your condition. If I could take it back just a little bit further again, what you read from Isaiah six is the, the prophetic commissioning of Isaiah. Correct. Uh, hey, you're going to have a ministry of hardening yes. hearts. Yeah. Contextually, though, redemptive historically, if we kind of look at that context, like what what's been going on in the life of Israel, like in the in mm. the in the national uh, sure. scene there, in terms of their relationship to God. Right. So, I mean, you've you've got two things going on. So, one, you've had a separation of nations. You have one that is really it's drawing its spiritual vigor from the health of just a ruler and just a ruler picked out by charisma and skill because yep. you're not having dynasties. You're not, ha- you're having one ruler kill off the next one or come because the people put him in place. So you have this competing idea of you have this one where you have these people coming in by skill and charisma, but they're supposed yep. to still be pointing to God um, and they're failing miserably. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually they're you know already sent off pretty much by this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Judah in the South who has this royal dynasty, but they're supposed to be doing the same thing. Under David, they're supposed to yeah. be demonstrating the goodness of, of God to the people. And then, of course, because of that, they're reflecting the whole of the nations back to God. Right. And they're failing in it as well. They're just not right. being faithful. And so as, as Isaiah comes into it, he is trying to return the people before it's too late. This is like the last stopgap, but mm-hmm. aware that actually... It's pretty much already too far. We can hold this off for a time. We can show God that, you know, we understand where we are positionally, um, but it's pretty much going to be already too late. This is coming. But then there's a massive hope that, yes, exile is coming, but there's more to it. It's not done. God is not finished with Israel and he hasn't actually forgotten his covenants with them. He's still going to be faithful to them, even though they have repeatedly showed themselves not faithful. Right. Yeah. So I'm trying to hit there on the the fact that Isaiah, you know, there's like an exilic period right, right there that's happening. The people, by and large, again, have been uh, disobedient and unbelieving to the, their covenant Lord. Like yep. that's what's going on. And so as a just judgment mm-hmm. against them, yep. you have not only exile, but the actual hardening yeah. of both individual and a corporate heart mm-hmm. there. Yeah. That is part, again, part and parcel of Isaiah's ministry, but that comes forward into the ministry of Messiah himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they come back to the land after exile, and there's still this sense of, no, we're, mm-hmm. we're back. God has been faithful at least to bring us back, but we still are not. Yeah. We're, we're still not going to follow faithfully. And so as you get to Nehemiah, Ezra, that's exactly what they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. They, they they come, they kind of reinvigorate things, they leave for a time, they come yeah. back, and, well, guys, I thought we fixed this i thought i mean Mm -hmm. do you not realize what sent us into exile in the first place how would you go back to that and so yeah as you come in you know the monarchy is not restored so as you come into you know jesus approaching jerusalem back of a donkey you're thinking is is this finally real exile over Mm -hmm. yeah 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 it's really um really interesting to think about 
how again like in in the context of Jesus's ministry <clears throat> i think even after the resurrection mm-hmm. a lot of jewish people had a hard time believing in jesus because of the jewish people who were contemporary with jesus they weren't believing in him right. before the cross and the resurrection right so so they're having a hard time on the other side of the resurrection doing it because the other side mm-hmm. so it's just interesting to think too and I, again i kind of drew this from from da carson his little commentary on john where he's bringing up well this is the apologetic for that why why aren't they believing right well because because they're under a a just judgment mm-hmm. on account of their their national sins god is hardening their hearts this was actually the expectation mm-hmm. the expectation was messiah is going to come into the world and be rejected by his own people. Right. And that's how the whole Gospel of John starts. Mm-hmm. Now, the crazy thing and the wonderful thing really is that, again, we're seeing you go to Romans 9, 10, and 11. What you're actually seeing is right. this becomes a launching point, a launching pad for the evangelization of the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Right, The hardness of the Jewish heart here against the Messiah, his rejection leads to mm-hmm. the gospel going to the Gentiles right. and the Gentiles be accepting the message, believing the message and becoming Provoking. part of the people of God so that the Jewish people eventually are provoked to repent and turn away from their right. sins and believe in Jesus Messiah. Absolutely. And what's really interesting is that in John 12 too, there is um, the verse just above our passage there where he says in verse uh 32 and I when I'm lifted up from my from the earth will draw all people yeah. to myself. It's not just the Jewish nation. That's correct. It's it's the the whole, wor- the whole, the whole world. world. It's yep. the Gentiles as well. Yeah. So it's really interesting to me that in a passage that focuses on the sovereignty of God and hardening hearts that there's a bigger purpose uh mm-hmm. here as well and it's that the gospel would go forward to the Gentiles and ultimately provoke Jewish folks as well mm-hmm. to actually turn and to believe in yeah. Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. And I think with that, we're going to end right there and uh, come back with a part two. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Thanks, brother. Yep. Appreciate it. Glad to hear.